think first of all, it's a mighty de gazach. Such a crucial person giving over, and that so many people take off of their time in order to learn. It's an unbelievable thing. And it never used to exist that people realized that without learning. It used to be that to be a malamad or to be a parent, there was no course, there's no license, and you do whatever you do. And now people are really trying their best. So that's that's really nice. You talk about malamad that I've heard for 10, 15, 20 years or more. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. To invest in it's, it's incredible. For sure. But it's not just, uh, you know, we talk about children. Moshe Rabbeinu got his job. As the Rayyan Emon, so the Major says, what happened? He had a whole flock, a whole kitta, <laughs> who knows, maybe a hundred sheep, I don't know how many were in the class. And everybody knew how to behave, everybody knew when, when to stop and when to go, when to drink. And one, uh, one kid broke the rules and ran away. ADD, ADHD, I don't know what he had. <laughs> they had some kind of machla. And we all know that, uh, Moshe Benu chased him. A lot of people would say, I'm not gonna, why should I waste kayachis? What am I here for? I'll have one less sheep. So what? One ran away, I'll concentrate on the ones who know how to behave. So the first Kiddush is that he ran after him. The second Kiddush is, we know that he, he saw that uh, he was drinking. And instead of doing what happened to me when I was a kid, when we were going to lunch, and some kid ran away from the line and went to the water fountain, so the, the Manal, who was probably trained, had a special grip on the neck, you know, would pull you out. And now's not the time to drink. I mean, and it's push it like that because if you're going to let everybody do this, everyone's going to go crazy. So I would think my Shabbat gave him my patch and uh, pushed and punished him, show him tough love. We got to make a mensch out of the sheep. What kind of a shepsel is he going to grow up to be? <laughs> he has to be a mensch. Everybody else is a mensch. He didn't have all the other sheep. Everybody knew they were trained. So um, today we wouldn't hit him. We would give him a pill, but something. <laughs> and instead, my Shabbat apologizes to him. Oye fata. I didn't realize he's apologizing to a sheep. Must have been a UV sheep. <laughs> apologize. Who apologizes to a sheep? Do we apologize when we see a kid does something wrong? Do we start saying, Oyve, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize that you have special needs. Maybe you were extra thirsty. Maybe something. Right away he's apologizing. Now, he can't say that the sheep explained anything to him, right? So it means that he just named on Hanukha that every sheep wants to be good. And if a sheep is bad, must be that there's a reason. So, and then I see that, yeah, I should have, and he starts blaming himself, it's my fault. Yeah. So, he's blaming himself that, you know, we have recess every two hours, and we needed recess earlier. And it's my, I should know you, I should know, I should know your needs. And because I didn't know your needs, and this is another Kiddush, and I caused you <coughs> to misbehave. So therefore, I'm going to punish myself instead of you. And he picked him up. Instead of making him walk all the way back, I'm punishing him and make him right after class. I will not go drink in the middle of class. He went ahead and he carried him on his shoulders. As a shtayt. He carried him. I never tried carrying a sheep. It's heavy. It's uncomfortable. Why should he carry him? Why can't he walk? Especially he already got the drink. Now that you got the drink, at least now you can behave. So he carries him to punish himself and puts the, the sheep on his shoulders. You get kuvid v'haruchu for misbehaving. You get rewarded, rewarded for bad behavior. Because the sanucha was that if you can't, every day you, you go, and if you can't, there must be a reason. 
and I, I have to take care of you, and therefore you need more care, not more patch. The Ebesha says, if this is the way that you are Raya of Tzayin, so then you are going to be the Raya Neman of Kali So we see over here, Pushit, very amazing, that he was chosen to be the leader of Kali not because of his godless entire, not because of his Midis, Unav Mikaludam, but because Hashem said, I don't, I'm not looking for a teacher who necessarily has the the greatest knowledge or even the greatest midas. A teacher, a leader, has to be the one who's going to care about those who don't know how to behave. And other, the tafkid of the leader and the tafkid of the of the teacher is to specifically look at the ones who are running away, who have different needs, and to say, "Okay, so what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it?" I'll tell you a true story. My daughter, Zazayn Gazint, she was the best in her class, behind her. She's amazing. And her whole life, her whole adult life, she dreamed of being a teacher. She dreamed of being a teacher. She came back from seminary, all fired up, starting her teaching career, and she got a job as a teacher. And she came to me after the first week, by Shabbos, after the first week, we were talking how it was, and she says, Ta, what do I do? There's 25 kids in the class, whatever the number was. Most of them are behaving fine. There's like three, four girls that are, they're not behaving, they're staring the class constantly. And there's one that's making them worse. And this one is cuckoo. I walk in the class, she says, Mora, Mora, can we not learn today? Can we have recess? She's jumping, she's hacking, she's interrupting. She's out of her mind. She's not even workable. So my daughter tells me, so I went to the principal. I told the principal, what do I do with this girl, Rifki? So the principal said, eh, do what all the other teachers do. They have, in girls' schools, they have a lot of teachers. I don't know how many, 15, 14, every, every subject is a new teacher. Do what all of them do. Send her out of the class. We shouldn't have taken her this year. She has emotional problems. And next year, eighth grade, she's not coming back to the school. So my, my daughter, <coughs> I guess, was raised in my house, asked me, she said, what, what am I supposed to do? So I said that just because you decided to become a teacher does not give you a right to offend a Yiddish Neshama. So she looks at me like, okay. So I said, so you have to quit because you're not sending the girl out of your class. And if you don't know how to keep her in the class, you get a different job. Why is it that because you decided to be a teacher that after you were nifted, you're going to say, well, I hurt 62 different kids and I offended them and I was mavayish them and I... But hey, I needed to be a teacher. Who asked you to be a teacher? I saw gathered from Steinman and from other people it says, very sharp for the shyness. If someone can't do the job, you leave it for somebody else. Why do you have to be the one to offend the neshama? Absolutely not. So right here, her whole future, her whole career that she was focusing on is now, she starts to panic. I don't want to, it's just my first week on the job. I don't want to be fired, you know, quit and with my whole job. And she's a great teacher. She could do great things. <coughs> Told you, you should become a shaykhit. Shaykhit, you don't have to worry. You take a chicken, you take it out of here. But in the Shama, you can't. She goes, yeah, but the, girl, but the girl can't sit. I said, you're right. So she says, okay, Tati, what do I do? So I said, I'll tell you what I would do. Win her over. There's no seventh grader, any kid. They all look up to you like Moshe Rabbeinu. An adult, even an older bucher, an older girl. You're amazing, right? If you win her over, <coughs> you'll get the other three, four kids who are struggling. And then you got the whole class. She says, <laughs> win her over. Nobody can win her over. Everybody else threw her out. What am I supposed to do? 
I said, Shefila, figure it out. You'll find a way to win her over. Make her your best friend. I'm telling you a story. Every single word is true. She went Sunday. Mora, Mora, can we not learn today? Can we have recess? Uh, she's jumping up and down. She's risky. Come here. Can you get me a drink of water? Sure. Got a drink of water. She comes in. She gives it to my daughter. I said, wow, you have such pretty eyes. I never realized you have such pretty eyes. She sat. She behaved. The next day, uh, I said, can you, Rifki, can you get me water again? She got a water again. What a nice headband. What a pretty headband. Wow, you're so pretty. Sit that down. On Wednesday, the principal was walking through the hallway, looks inside the window, and sees my daughter teaching an entire class. She was shocked, that she disturbed the class. She couldn't wait. She knocked on the door. She told my daughter to come out. She goes, what did you do? Which pill did you give? <laughs> Which pill did you give? What did you, what did you do? She's shocked. You're the only teacher out of all the teachers. This is her first week. The other teachers are there for years and years. That was not only able to keep her, but she's listening. So I think the message is that the first thing that a teacher has to know is it's your your job is on the line, not the kid. And when you feel that it's my job, that, that there are certain things that are just not going to happen. I'm not going to embarrass Anishama. There is no, we can work with everybody. Steinman wrote that every single kid comes into class wants to be good. No such thing as a kid comes in, I want to be bad. They have troubles, they have struggles. In a typical class, you have approximately, according to statistics of people who know these things, about 20% were molested. One out of five. I don't like the number. Say one out of eight. I still don't like the number. One out of ten. I still don't like the number. But when you're looking at a class now, you're looking at four or five kids who probably statistically were molested. You have three four kids that have this kind of learning disability and three four kids who have this kind. By the time you're done, you have maybe one normal kid over there. And by the time you finish working with everybody else, he's bored and going out of his mind. Very hard job to be a malamed. A psychologist gets paid like $600 for an hour to work with one kid. And you have to constantly work with 30 Michigan without getting paid, basically. And you, you can't go slow and you can't repeat too much and you can't... It's, it, it's impossible. This is why I don't speak at the Torah Masori Convention because everybody will quit. <laughs> Everybody's going to quit. It's like a crazy job. It's not like 30 years ago that you had a shtekin. <coughs> then you only had three different shtekins and you were fine. A living shtekin and a, I don't know what other shtekins there were. Today there would be more technology. You just put in a little little burning sensation at the end of it, like a little electrical, and you're done. <laughs> Today you can't do that. They took away the living shtekin and all the shtekins and now you're left with understanding that the kids are hurting, you have a couple of kids that are poor, a couple of kids are no shalom bias, a couple of kids are divorced. A mother told me, and I don't deal with this even, but a mother told me that she has a son, and she got divorced, and, she, and the son was misbehaving, making him out of class. And it was like, we're going through a matzah here. We just got divorced. He's, he's, he's missing his father, the, the whole family's going through a trauma. Threw him out of class. Like, you didn't look at, ask the Rebbe from last year, he was a good boy. So we have kids who are breaking very easily. We have a, I, I don't think that there's some UV, it looks like the whole nation, the whole world is UV, and very, very few other ones. Uh, it's just, people go through. And even if you're stark, but if you go through a tzara, you become sensitive. But it must be that, that if this is the refuah, that the Ebishta always gives, uh, if this is the makkah, the Ebishta always gives the refuah before the makkah. This is the refuah right here, this, this young man who's teaching people to understand. The one thing that works for everybody is called understanding. 
If you look at a kid and you say, I understand you. I'm not against you. I'm not the authority with the Shtekin anymore. I'm really on your side. We're going to get through this together. And somehow the Ebesh is going to give you like that huge heart, like all the leaders in class will always had. A teacher is a leader of that, of that class. And you get a certain, certain uh, extra siyata dushmaya to give each kid what they need. And I always say, like, even if, even if a, a, a kid has to be removed from the class, but he should feel that you love me. You should feel you like me. You're not against me. You know, you should just feel that you can be kind. There's no reason you can't be kind, even if you do the wrong thing. Halavai, you're all going to do the right thing, and you're going to figure out the nefesh of each person, of each kid, and who's a troublemaker and who's not a troublemaker, and is he really a troublemaker, and how to win them over that they should be good. It's a really hard job. But even if he's going to make a mistake, but it has to be with the, the Havuna that these Anashamas, and they're not bad. And it should be with kindness. The kids who go through the system and are not Matzliach automatically have a lot of tzara. But they remember the Rebbe who was kind, even if he couldn't handle him, and the Rebbe who was mean. We're now never, ever, ever allowed to be Mavayish and Neshama. This is not even a Shaila. The Rebbeim who are Mavayish and Neshama because the, because the kid is misbehaving, it, it's no Shaila. You, you can't go and say, okay, I have diplomatic immunity, I'm allowed to be Mavayish. To find ways of dealing, of course, but never to be Mavayish anybody. Never to say the words like, like I just got an email, Mamish, today, from a woman in England, that uh, Rebbe told her father 50 years ago. He said, um, uh, they were learning Abba Ovis Nazikin. He said, there's Abba Ovis Nazikin, and there's a fifth Nazik, Goldberg. You're the fifth one. It's 50 years later. I'm not saying he's off the derech. He didn't commit suicide. He's not on drugs. He remembers the stories. Titvai. I was last week at a shir. That's where I'm going afterwards. And one of the guys behind me was just telling me, he's, he's probably 55 years old. He said, I had one Rebbe. Wow, he's going to burn. He's going to burn what he did to me. He accused me of stealing or lying, and I didn't, and one of the news, he hit me. That's not chinuch. That's, that's just called uh, frustration. That's, and, I, and I don't blame him. If I would be a Rebbe, I would smack all of them. That's why I'm not a Rebbe. I become a sheikh and a plumber. It's a lot of other good jobs. It's a very hard job, and I, I've, my heart goes out to Rebbeim, and I always, I always felt very bad for my kids Rebbeim, even though my kids were pretty good. I felt like it's mamish. <coughs> you can't make a mistake. You can make little mistakes. You can't make a mistake with an neshama. You can't stamp neshama. Most of the kids who are off the derech were not matzliach. Many of them were not matzliach at some point, and they remember. They remember this. This one is a Russia, and this this Rebbe, what he did to me, he was mavayish, he was right of me. It, they could have said, listen, I, I, I love you, I, I can't handle you, please go to the principal. But the words that they said, Mamish took somebody who was down for another reason and just broke them with, with no, no benefit. And I tell parents to go to those malamdum and to ask them to apologize. And I find that most of them do. Because I explain to the parents, these are not Rishon, these malamdum, they're frustrated. The same way that they meant L'Shem Shemayim eight years ago to throw the kid out of class and say... You know, nothing will become of you. They think that they either they feel bad and they'll apologize, or they say, "No, I meant l'shem shemayim." Fine. So now, mean l'shem shemayim now, and take the knife out so this person can move on with their life. So I find that most of them do. Most of them do. There's a bacher that uh, that I am very close to, and he's full of tattoos and uh, had every kind of trauma you could imagine. I think he mamish had every kind of trauma. Parents, 
beat him and were dysfunctional parents. His mother threw him. His brother told him when he was a baby, his mother, he was almost one years old, threw him across the room. He, he went through being molested. He was never raped by a bacher on Purim who was drunk and just random. I mean, he went through everything. He's a very troubled kid. He's the nicest guy in the world if you met him. Everybody loves him. I can tell you ten gedolim that know him and that he's the tzaddik. He's Mechal Shabbos. He's a tzaddik. He's, he's just a fatzarita. Sweetest guy in the world. Trustworthy. Ehrlich. Nice. Tries. He's done more for Hashem. I, I, I can't even explain. Every time he can, he makes us see him. He, he's driving on Shabbos. Tell me if you can understand this. He's driving on Shabbos two weeks ago. He had a breakdown. So he had to get away. So he drove on Shabbos. So what would you do if you have a breakdown, you have anxiety? Because a lot of his trauma happened on Shabbos. So he came to shul. And he ran out in the middle. Nobody bothered him. And he had a breakdown. And in the middle of Shabbos, he was supposed to spend the whole Shabbos by me. He said, I can't, I, can't, I, I gotta go. Took his keys and he's driving on Shabbos. Fine. What would you do in the car while you're driving on Shabbos? He listened to Shiro. What does that mean? He listened to Shiro. In Bitachan. To have Bitachan in a tzara that I feel like killing myself, I should have Bitachan that everything is Lutayla. This is, these are a lot of these kids that people think that they're oisars and rebels. They're broken. And they're mamish, the kiddush shemayim that comes from them is something unbelievable. This guy went to his Rebbe, who was in yeshiva, I don't want to say which one, in fourth grade. He told me he gets tattoos. He said, I'm getting a tattoo because of this Rebbe. So I said, I know that he always only gets tattoos out of, he tried to kill himself already over five times. I said, why should you get a tattoo? Put a tattoo on him. I said, like, you know, why, why, why make him, you know, I said, go, take a, take a huge, a huge sign and go next to him and say, you destroyed my life, but why, why hurt yourself and cut yourself? It's done out of pain and out of pain. Why, why are you hurting yourself? He's the one who deserves to be punished. Anyway, one day, this rabbi was outside of the yeshiva, he was talking to a few other people, and he went over to him, and this is the Edel Abacher. If you met him, I can introduce you to him, the most Edel person in the world. I never met anybody like him. And he went over to him. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Why? Why? And he, um, oh, broken people. He's, I, don't, I don't know what his, ta- I don't know if anybody knows what his tava ever would have been. He went over to him and he told him, you destroyed my life, you ruined my life, and you're going to burn in hell. You see, you see these tattoos, this is because of you, and then, and uh, I don't know how it got tied to me, but some, that Rebbe called me. I, I'm looking for this book. Can you get me his number? I want to apologize to him. So, people are good. You know, uh, Rebbeim are good. Manalim are good. Everybody means well. If you look at them and you realize that each one is on his journey, he'll re- they'll remember. I don't know what he did. The truth is, this is one of the best Rebbeim. He's a, 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 a name of being a famous Rebbe and in camp he's a re- he, I, I can't tell you the name, but he's like a very, 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 very good guy. You have to understand, and this is maybe what you tried to explain. Probably he didn't do anything to him, but because if someone has a broken leg and you just get come on walk already, it's a trauma. He was a traumatized kid, and he misbehaved plenty, but he didn't. The Rebbe probably treated him normal. He probably didn't look at him and say that there's a reason why he's behaving this way, and maybe that's why. Now. Sometimes a Rebbe will tell somebody something, you know, in front of the class, you know, stop, whatever it is. 
and you'll see a healthy kid he doesn't turn red it's not a trauma for him sometimes you'll see a kid does something and you'll say the same thing to him and you'll see Mamashi he's an edelin he's, he's, he's broken so it's, it's not always that you're doing something so terrible but you have to think who, who's going to decide whether what I did was abusive or not <coughs> abuse is, in, is truly in the eyes of the beholder if you, if you took a kid who from 1 to 10 deserved an 8, deserved a 6 punishment, and he feels an 8, so you could say, hey, I gave I gave a 6. What's the difference what he feels? Or you could say, no, I wanted him to feel a 6, and he feels an 8, so I gave too much. And that's part of, I think, what's happening in our dar that people are starting to realize that not every kid is the same. And for one kid, a punishment of staying late is, is okay. For another punishment, the kid, the same punishment is much worse. And that they're actually humans, they're, they're, they're people. The Siva Shulam says, you have to be so delicate with a neshama. He says, you're not allowed to tell a child, say menacheder. You're not allowed to tell a kid, leave the room. He's not a chess piece. He's not a piece, leave the room. You have to say, please go into the other room. It's such a hakala point that I never would have thought of in a million years. In other words, there's a certain covenant. You wouldn't tell somebody who you're supposed to respect, leave the room. You'd say, do you mind, I'm speaking, you know, we never thought to apply that COVID to children, not to stand up for them, but to apply them that they're a human being. I would advise you just to remember that one day all these little troublemakers are going to grow up. One day they can grow up. And they're going to remember this, this Rebbe. You know, and it's not so much if, if he was Matliach or if you did it. He liked me. He cared for me. He was kind. He was compassionate. And even when he punished me, a lot of kids will say, even when he punished me, I, I knew he liked me. You have to you have to start off with the feel I like you. I'll tell you a story. You have time? Yeah. I know a boy who in sixth grade started having ADD, ADHD, was drumming, was this and that. So the Rebbe moved him from the first from the first chair, the first row to the second row, to the third row, to the fourth row, to the fifth row. Good smart kid, but he was partially disturbing. So instead of punishing him, he put him in the back row. Shine. The kid would sit on the thing or whatever finally came to the point that the Rebbe told the parents I can't deal with this anymore he has to go on medication so the parents are good parents they went they did an evaluation ADHD and he should go on medicine fine he went on medicine because this kid was such a sweet kid who never got angry and he was so easygoing they were able to realize when Mamish a totally different personality within a week or two the kid who had casts banging things, steam was coming out of his ears. He was just, he wasn't him. So they but stopped on the, him. On the medicine. Yeah, on the medicine. 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 medicine does that medicine sometimes. Does so they took him off the medicine. But now what do you do? The Rebbe, the, the, the parents happened to see, it was already after Pesach, they saw the Rebbe from 7th grade. And they told the Rebbe from 7th grade, listen, uh, you got coming your way, my kid, and the Rebbe in 6th grade really can't deal with him, you know, good luck. And the 7th grade Rebbe said, it was a quote, get a lot of kids like this from the 6th grade Rebbe. He needs to be on medicine. And don't worry, he'll be fine. I see your kid in the, in the hallway. He'll be fine. The 7th grade, this kid was made the apple of the eye of his Rebbe. And when the Rebbe dealt with him, the kid felt, I'm the best kid in the world. He ended up not needing any medicine. He had the most incredible year of his life. And he was Mamash the top boy and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because he was always smart. And the ADA issue wasn't a problem. He worked on it somehow. I don't know magically. He happens to be one of the top rabbis who speaks in Torah for a thousand seventh grade. He's like one. He has skill. So he had more skill, and he was able to save this boy from medicine, which wouldn't work, and from busyness and from being embarrassed. 
he, he got more skill on himself. And what was amazing is that it wasn't just that felt like he's the assistant Rebbe and balipped by the Rebbe. It was all the kids, the bottom five kids, that were all troublemakers in their own way, were all on the top of the class. They were like the assistants and they were his <coughs> friends. He, this Rebbe had the easiest year because he took the bottom, he worked, focused his love on them and his attention and by recess in the beginning, you know, you can have a kid and you say, bring this to the principal and he feels like a million bucks. These are, it's easy to win them over if that's your goal. And right away in the first few weeks, each kid who had concentration problem with this problem with that problem, he was kind of them. So, so then he had nobody disrupting the class anymore. So he was able to teach. He made a separate recess for them, he made a thing for them. When he made Purim, he, my, my, my son, the whole class, they went to Williamsburg, which they're Flappish boys. They don't usually go to Williamsburg and Purim. They loved him. The kids who loved him the most were these five kids. And I was in by PTA. I was in the hallway waiting to go to him. And I was schmoozing with all the other parents. We were ready in PTA seven, eight years. So I know who the other kids are. They're all sweet kids, but this one is this problem, isn't it? And they all said, my kid loves this Rebbe. Mamish loves this Rebbe. So what we see from here is that everybody's limited, and I, I, I don't have the skills that you have. But there's nobody that you can't win over. You're talking about children. You're an adult. You can win over anybody. You can give them $2, you can give them a dollar, you can give them peanuts, you can give them... You can win over a kid. And once you win over the troubled kids, then the smooth sailing for you. You can look at them with a, with a geschmacker smile, with a wink. You know, this Rebbe used to go to my son, and when my son was like getting uh, antsy, so he told him, you would give him like a little tap, a little wink, and he would say, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah, go. He needed five minutes. He stretched his thing, he ran around, came back in. He worked with everybody. But when you work with the Shvacha kids, or the kid that's angry, and you make you win him over, it, it's much easier to teach the rest of the year. That has to be the focus of, of, of a Rebbe going into a classroom, is to look for those troublemakers. I will say that I think we all realize that those troubled kids are usually very smart and very sweet and very sensitive and very caring. And they don't mean to be bad. Nobody means to be bad. Nobody wants to be bad. Nobody comes to Yeshiva to be bad. <coughs> you have to make Yeshiva a place that those kids feel like that this is my safe haven because you have no idea what's going on in their lives and you have no idea what's going on at home. There's so many traumas today and so many parents are in therapy and there's so much so many issues. And this should be a place to come which you feel safe. A kid who feels safe is going to end up learning the best that he can learn. He'll end up behaving the best that he can behave. And it's a whole different atmosphere. The atmosphere that we grew up with, you know, the atmosphere of atmosphere, <laughs> atmosphere, there's a lot of fear, worked very well. In a certain way, we, were, we sat there and that was it. If we can get it back, you can get it back. But I don't, it doesn't seem like today in this door it's shy to get that back. And now every kid was moving and wants this, wants that. Only, only your love can, can actually, that they feel that you care about them, can really solve most of the problems that only get exacerbated when they feel like this person is, is out to get me. Stifler said, Ki sahava. Love is as strong as death. Shlema Melech says, Ki sahava. So Frek the Stifler, what does it mean love is as strong as death? What's death, what love? Stifler said. And the Stifler was not a lovey-dovey kind. Of, I never saw I a picture of him smiling. He was in Kabach. He didn't have a guitar. <laughs> the Stifler said, he was a scary person. I mean, the way it looks to me. Stifler said that just like nothing could stop death, nothing could stop love. Ahava is as strong as death. And we know that today there's a lot of problems going is on. I don't know. I usually have a maramakam. This one I don't have. If you find it, let me know. 
No, I heard it once in a speech, and I, I repeat it. But I have to come out of my mouth for everything. And this one, I, really, I, I don't even remember who to ask. Listen, if he didn't say it, I'll take the credit. <laughs> Somebody said it, and it's a good word. This is the only the only tool that we have, interested in the Shifa, that the Ebesha somehow wants us to be able to shine tremendous ava on people who don't deserve it. And then that's us. That's probably going to bring our, our gula. Because we've gone through all other kinds of tsaras, and now we see what's going on with the kids, that the only thing works is tremendous ava. And Steinman said that there's no such thing as chutzpah anymore. No chutzpah. He said, everybody says chutzpah, chutzpah. He says, no chutzpah. So somebody said, what do you mean? If you go ahead and you tell him, go do something, the kid says, no, it's not chutzpah. He said, ma tarotzeh, tarotzeh tembel, shetagiyah calls man, ken, ken, ken. What do you want, an idiot? He's always going to say yes, yes, yes. He said, no. You can win everybody over and you can work with everybody, but we need a lot of patience that we have to bring on ourselves really to just be going to use the There's no question that a Rebbe goes into Yeshiva. By the end of the year, you have many more mitzvahs than any normal person. We have to wait for Matzah. You get to have a thousand times a day. Rachel and Chanan, Rachapayim, Rachesed, and Yimamish behaving like like the Eved behaves in the This is Avi Fishoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at aol.com.